listening to the EVs for Everyone podcast. My name is Elena Ciccatelli, an award-winning automotive executive, and I'm so excited to introduce you to some of the most dynamic thought leaders the EV economy has to offer. Listen in on honest conversations I have with the leading electric vehicle experts and uncover critical insights that will help you jump ahead and stay there. The electrification race is officially on, and these conversations have never been more important. So whether you're an automotive executive or just an EV enthusiast, this is the podcast for you. Let's get started. Hari is here from Merchants Fleet, and I am so excited for you to join me on this conversation today. Hari, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing excellent, Helena. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Now that you're here, we're going to get this conversation going about fleet and electrification, and I would love to get your perspective on all things fleet and EVs. But before we get into that, I would love to learn more about your background, your journey in the automotive space, and how you got to where you are today at Merchants. Sure. Um, it's been it's been an interesting journey over many years. Um, so I'm, I'm really not a fleet uh, person by training or by career track. Um, I happened to enter fleet about uh, three years ago now. But prior to that, uh, over the last, say, 20 years, it's been everything from uh, batteries to systems to energy storage and uh, conversion of vehicles and so on and so forth. Um, so it's fair for me to say that, you know, I, I kind of am in love with batteries and the potential that the batteries have. Uh, and it's taken, you know, about 20 years of, of my life to see batteries from being kind of the underdog in the consumer world to becoming the mainstream thing that nearly everybody is, is talking about or paying attention to these days, right? So it's been an enormous transformation. Um, along that journey, I had the privilege of working with many different organizations, uh, got into automotive area. My prior job where I led engineering at Excel Fleet, um, did some crazy and innovative things there. An opportunity came up to, you know, lead electrification at Merchants and uh, took that on. And then here we are talking to you today afternoon. And and here we are today. I love it. Yeah, it's always great to see uh, someone's background and how they were either accidentally uh, into automotive or on purpose. So I'm one of the folks that were the, the accidental automotive uh, career track there. But so let's talk a little bit more about Merchants and EV uh, and fleet electrification. Talk a little bit more about how you and your team, Hari, are supporting this transition. So in my sense, you know, our, our agenda is to become, you know, one of the fastest, to be the fastest growing fleet management company, which we are, and also eventually become the leader in the electrification space, which we are already well ahead of most of the competition. Now, this comes from a, a, a belief that, you know, we can really transform or help transform the transportation space, which has been kind of stuck in, you know, incremental improvements over the many, many years, right? I mean, you look at OEMs that are newer vehicles coming out, but the underlying technology has remained fairly constant. Um, we're at the cusp of, of significant transformation, which will be both beneficial and also disruptive in the industry. The beneficial side of it comes from, you know, potentially cost of ownership reduction, uh, you know, better for the environment, better for local and regional economies. Uh, the challenges come from the side of a lot of fleets just don't know how to navigate that transition, right? To going from a very well understood technology to something that is very, very new. And that is the point where, where myself and my team intersects our clients, right? We work with clients of all shapes and sizes. 
we help them understand, okay, here's where you are today, here's where the industry is headed tomorrow, and here is how you can start that transition journey. This happens in multiple different levels uh, across the organization, across the technology spectrum, across the vehicle spectrum, and also across the charging spectrum. So when you ask how does merchants help other clients uh, transform in their journey, it really starts with understanding you know, who they are, what their fleet composition is, what their fleet utilization is. And then from there, coming up with a very in-depth consultative approach of what types of vehicles can work for you. What types of vehicles are that you are aspiring to go to, but don't exist in the market today? We hear a lot of that. Uh, what type of vehicles have you tried and failed? Uh, and what type of vehicles would you want to try, right? And and when I say try, and this is where we become very innovative and we can come up with very clever options to get people into zero emissions assets. You don't have to sign into a long-term or binding lease with merchants. We can rent something to you. We can do a rental and then credit you back. And we can play all kinds of financing. I wouldn't call it games, but creativity. We can apply that so that folks can actually transition from the legacy technology to what is coming with as little financial risk as possible. Because let's be let's be very clear about it, right? Fleet industry is based on total cost of ownership. Driving that number down is the primary objective. If you look at the pricing of EVs, they are not just incrementally more expensive than an equivalent ICE counterpart, they're significantly more expensive than an ICE counterpart. So unless someone is doing that TCO analysis and then inserting vehicles in the right place, you're not going to have a good financial return, right? And that's also an area where we we really excel in to, to kind of right-size the application to the vehicle right-size the vehicle to the, then the charger, and then right-size the whole program to a TCO. I love what you said, though, too, about the customization and really taking an, a, a consultative approach to the strategy yeah. that you're working with fleets, because like you said, one size does not fit all. There are, ver- there are a ton of use cases for various different fleets, and that might look different across different fleet managers, uh, and also geographies, too. Do geographies play a little bit of a role here as well? Absolutely. Or- Absolutely. It, it, it's very difficult to decouple geographic or route-based um, and even, you know, climactic uh, considerations when you're inserting new technologies, especially EVs, because especially when you look into the higher classes of vehicles, right? Um, batteries are in the energy density that are in batteries are not where it is to, to have an equivalent range that you will get on a nice counterpart. Because of that, if you are operating in, let's say, areas that are predominantly cold, you have to size your vehicles and the batteries appropriately so that you get the range that you want and then factor in the payloads, uh, which may not be as much of a concern in some of the southern tier states, but there are other challenges there in the summer months if you're running air conditioning and so on, right? So, so yes, geographies play a role, strictly looking from that climatic standpoint, but geographies also play a role in, in terrain and, you know, altitude and variation, uh, how much of a grade are you hauling cargo every single day and how much of you are coming down? All of that has a significant impact on how you select vehicles. Maybe you can speak to this as well about the public infrastructure that's available maybe in these geographies as well. Is Does that also play a role in how you're selecting maybe a BEV versus a PHEV? Um, walk me through maybe some of that thinking that you and your team do. So, so public infrastructure, um, unfortunately, let's just rip the band-aid off and be very candid about it, at least in the United States, right? It, it's not where 
one would expect it to be. And there are multiple multiple reasons for it. You know, it's a very vast country, very long distances. I mean, we always get compared to Europe, but let's also be very candid in that some of the European countries will fit inside some of the states in the United States, right? So so for our scale in terms of geography is, is pretty large. Um, that said, the public charging has had issues where there hasn't been one coherent standard. Now, that problem was going away with everybody gravitating towards the NACS, which will happen late 2024 into 2025. Very, very promising and will become uh, much more of a tailwind to better public charging. However, we don't prescribe public charging as the go-to solution for fleet operations. Because if you look at all the public charging stations that are available today, right, how many of them can actually accommodate a class three, four, or above vehicle? Majority of them cannot. They, they're not designed for that purpose. They're not laid out for those types of applications. So if you are predominantly operating smaller vehicles, class one or consumer type vehicles, yes, public charging today and into the future can become a viable option, but not your primary option. I would always say public charging should be a secondary, you know, it's a fallback position, right? We encourage fleets to you know, consider investment in their own depots or in their own uh, premises for charging infrastructure. Um, if that doesn't work, then we can come up with other creative options. We can give you temporary solutions when the utility catches up. If that doesn't work, then maybe we can look at third-party locations where you can actually safely park your vehicles and have them charge it and maintain it for you. Those are all the different buckets in which we look at things. Exclusively relying on public charging, not recommended for all kinds of reasons because, you know, you could show up at, uh, let's say, the Burlington Mall, which is about 20 miles from where I am, and you probably have to wait for two, three hours to get one charging port. And and, and even then, uh, you also need an ounce of luck to make sure that the charging will work. Okay? So it doesn't, doesn't really support fleet, uh, fleet operations uh, from that perspective. We have, however, successfully guided clients to deploy charging infrastructure on their own premises. And uh, it, it is a lot of consultative work, a lot of analysis, a lot of you know sheer electrical work and, and construction activities. But once they have that infrastructure and they are in command of their own methodologies to charge, it just opens up the, the possibilities for them to try multiple vehicles, try different routes, try different payloads, uh, switch drivers in and out, get the experience going. And we have successfully done that for multiple clients across the country, right? So... Investing in your own public, investing in your own charging makes sense from a program structure standpoint, but it has to be always weighed against what you're going to do in terms of the cost structure. Exclusively relying on public charging only, not a great idea today. No, not a great idea for anyone. Let's be real about that. So yeah, and, and like you said, there's a little bit more than an ounce of luck that goes into making sure that you uh, that you are adequately charged. So let's talk about challenges a little bit. Would love to understand your perspective, Hari, on some of the electrification and even sustainability challenges that you and your team have faced, and and how are you helping your clients resolve some of those challenges that come up? So it's, it's a, that's an interesting question, Elena, because you know you brought sustainability to the electrification part, right? Sometimes I always get asked, like, does sustainability lead electrification, or does electrification lead sustainability? Which one is the pulling function, or which one is the pushing function? Um, for a lot of fleets, right, um, that operate larger quantities of vehicles, 
one of the pathways to become a sustainability-minded organization may be just converting a small portion of their fleets to zero emissions vehicles. Right? That might be the shortest pathway that they can get there without considerable retooling of their inherent business processes, which costs a ton of money, costs a lot of lot of uh, you know time duration, and still may not put them on the sustainability pathway that they want to be in. But if you if you the data is very clear, right? Transportation amounts to a significant percentage of greenhouse emissions gases. Uh, so even if you take a smaller percentage of your fleet and convert them to ZEVs, zero emissions vehicles, that is aligning yourself in the direction of going towards a sustainable business operation. Now, when we look at balancing sustainability with electrification, there are numerous, numerous challenges. The number one and the simplest to understand is, okay, I need a box truck. I need a box truck that, that can go up to you know 200 miles of range at you know 7,000 pounds of payload. Um, a vehicle that can do that in the EV space doesn't really exist today from a technology standpoint, right? So you have to have some trade-offs. The second trade-off is, okay, now let's assume that the vehicle exists. It's not in PowerPoint. Somebody's actually building it and somebody has a price for that and, and we have it on the market. Then the reality is, you probably are going to be waiting for six, eight, 12 months before the vehicle even shows up. So there are supply issues there. This applies not just to box trucks, but applies to pretty much any vehicle that you have uh, in the EV space today, right? The timelines for getting access to vehicles are prolongated. Um, order banks open today afternoon and they close today afternoon. So unless you are timed right, you probably won't even get your foot in the door. There are exceptions in the consumer vehicle space, uh, but you know that's not where our focus is, so I'm not going to go there. That's one set of challenges that you have to navigate. The second set of challenge really comes down to, okay, now I have a firm grasp on when I'm going to get my vehicle. How do you make sure that your charging infrastructure is timely available when the vehicle shows up? There is no point in having charging infrastructure waiting for a vehicle that's not going to show up for six months. There is also no point in having a vehicle waiting to have the charging infrastructure set up. So you have to converge the, we call it the activation of your charging stations to the arrival of the vehicles in fairly close time domain proximity. If you don't do that, right, there's money being spent that is not being put to work is the way I see it, right? There is those challenges. The second, the third challenge is, is really lack of understanding of the space, right? Electrification involves new terms, new new ideas. You know, you're not talking in miles per gallon anymore. You're talking in watt hours per mile or miles per watt hour. And what is a watt hour? <laughs> right? You start there. You're 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 using a whole different fuel. Uh, previously, it could be pumped into your tank. Yeah, there's no more tank. It's going into a battery, and it's like electricity, right? It is considered to be ubiquitous. But when you approach your utility, they may tell you, you know, come back after two years. How do you how do you navigate those challenges? Um, so it's it's a combination of many things, and then this is where we always encourage fleets, you know, even that are private fleets that are looking internally and who have done things internally, reach out to experts, right? I mean, construction is not new. Construction has been going on for many, many, many decades. Ever since man started, you know, living in little huts, we've been building things. So there are experts who can help you navigate the construction side. There are experts out there who can help you navigate the vehicle selection side. Don't try to do this all by yourself. And you partner with entities who can help you handle the risk associated with these challenges so that you have a better outcome. The rest of it comes down to you know the, the financing options, the money, the capital that needs to go. 
those are not easy to solve, but there are solutions that can be implemented within the timeframes that you want to achieve. But there are certain timeframes where neither you nor us nor the OEM have control. You know, battery supply is pretty limited. When battery supply is limited, there are only so many vehicles that they can build. So unless you are either number one or number 10 in line, you may actually find yourself the thousandth person to get hold of the truck, which puts you two years out from where you want to be. And if you're operating in a sustainability-centric geography, you have reporting obligations, or you know, God forbid you're operating in territories where there are penalties, you're now likely at a higher risk. What are some of the biggest objections or reservations that fleet managers are coming to you and your team and say, when you're introducing an electrified fleet, partially electrified fleet, what are some of the main concerns that you're hearing from clients that are interested in diversifying their portfolio, but again, they're going to you as the expert for some help? There's, there's quite a few, but but if you if I were to just bring uh, bring them together and try to classify them, I think there is a there is a fear of the unknown to, to a large extent, right? Um, you know, you look at the 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 news and the media outlets. Um, there are many, many, many EV companies that probably didn't exist uh, three years ago or four years ago, right? And and all of a sudden they they are in the market. They're raising capital. They're putting an EV out there, which looks phenomenally great on PowerPoint or marketing brochures and whatnot. But fleets that are that exist because they have to do a job and and do that job repetitively so that they can make money and run their business, right? They're apprehensive about trying what we call as emerging OEMs. You know, these are not established OEMs, but these are emerging OEMs. Some of them will succeed, some of them will not succeed. So how do you how do you place a bet on an emerging OEM and make sure that one, they will be around three years, five years from now? Two, the assets of the vehicles that they're putting out can actually do the job. Three, if the assets and vehicles on the job, if they need support and service, that can be handled. And four, for an emerging OEM, how can the, the costs of the vehicle align as close to the conventional vehicles that are in the fleet? So all of this becomes like mind-bogglingly complex for a fleet manager to, to really comprehend. Again, reach out to experts and subject matter, people who can help navigate this space for you, at least separate fact from, from the myths. The second set of challenges is, like I mentioned before, the fueling infrastructure is completely different. It's, it's, it's a whole set of other challenges. It's construction, it is chargers, it is level two, level three, DC fast, superchargers. Uh, my truck did not charge up, it aborted a charge midway. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have you hear companies about, oh, don't worry about any of this stuff. We'll optimize your route based on data and telematics and we got the whole thing packaged together for you, right? Very applicable, but maybe not applicable on day one, right? For day one applications. So you got to navigate those challenges too. Where, where my team and I sell, where we come in is, you know, when, when our... Um, sales folks, talks to clients who are interested in that transformation. Like I said previously, ours is more of a consultative uh, approach. We try to really understand what what are you what are you after? Are you being driven to electrification by a C level mandate? Are you are you going to electrification because of regulatory pressure? Are you doing this because of a sustainability angle? Are you doing it because your competition is doing it and I have no option to stay relevant? Like we need to understand what's that driver, right? Once we know what that driver is, that's when we we look at our portfolio of vehicles that we have access to and the portfolio of vehicles that 
that we have vetted and that we are confident will do the job, right? That's what we would bring to you first to say, which amongst these do you think works? The next step may be we put together, you know, approximate pricing models, right? So it's kind of like a, a multi-step process where there is an education component, there is a learning component, there is a consulting component, there is an alignment component, there is a piloting component, and then finally that pilot becomes a longer-term adoption. Hari, thank you for walking me through that because I think it's important for the entire ecosystem that we're in here for electrification to understand what fleet managers are thinking about and considering. Hari, we could we are well over time here, but we could keep talking about this topic all day long. But where can folks reach out to you if they have additional questions, they want to learn more? Where is the best place for people to do that? Uh, you know, I'm I'm fairly uh, active on LinkedIn, so that's a, an easy way to find me directly if you if you want to reach out. But you can always come to uramerchantsfleet.com, and there is enough links there that can point us to either to my team or you can ask questions, and then somebody from our our group uh, will definitely get back to you on those. So those are the two easiest ways to get hold of me. Perfect. I'll make sure that those are in the show notes so you guys can easily access it. Hari, this has been a great conversation. Again, I learned so much from you today. This was a very good primer in fleet EV electrification and all the steps that go into it. So Hari, thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you for having me, Elena. Good talking to you all. Good luck. Thank you so much for listening to the EVs for Everyone podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and subscribe to the show and leave a five-star review with a comment. We read every single comment, so thank you in advance. If you have an idea for an upcoming episode or you would like to be a guest on the show, go to EVs, the number four, everyone.com slash contact. That's EVs, the number four, everyone.com slash contact. Until next time, keep charging forward. Word.